Welcome to the very first JR Takes podcast. I'm Ryan Rogers. And I'm Jonah Hoffman. And today we are going to be talking about a little transaction that happened just about a month ago. March 8th, 2022. Oh boy. The day the Seahawks died. Yeah, well, I mean, on, on, on the initial, when I heard the breaking news from Colin Cowherd, well, actually, I heard it from you. Is that, is that, oh yeah, that's right, I texted you. And then I watched... I pulled up my phone, pulled up Instagram, and I followed the herd on there. One of my favorite sports journalists, and uh, yeah, he he broke the news. And when I saw that we traded and got Drew Locke in the deal, I was <laughs> devastated because uh, I mean I have a history with not liking the guy um, based on his sideline antics of you know looking like an idiot rapping while he did like one good thing in a game and then just was terrible (laughs) after that. But that being said, I have, uh, you know, I've been following the Seahawks social media page and he seems like a straight arrow. I mean, he seems like he wants to, wants to win. I will say, I, I mean, I was slinging some Drew Locke shit. Right after I heard the trade, because I was, I, it just seemed so unacceptable to me in the For moment sure. to go from Russell Wilson, first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, one of the most iconic figures in Seattle sports history, arguably, you know, the pinnacle of Seattle mm-hmm. sports. Totally. Uh, to a guy, you know, rapping on the sideline <laughs> and leading the NFL in interceptions in 2020. Um, but actually, the more I've looked into it, um, he, he seems just like a nice kid. And he, totally, it does seem like he wasn't given uh, good opportunities to succeed in the league in Denver yeah. from all the transition and with COVID and all of that nonsense. So, you know, I'm um, I'm more on board with it now, but let's let's turn back the clock a month and just uh, just go through. What was your initial reaction to hearing that news? Well, I was I still kind of am in this boat, but I was mainly just shocked that our ownership went with management over the best player in our franchise's history. You mean you thought it was weird to choose a 71-year-old coach (laughs) over a 33-year-old Hall of Fame quarterback? Yeah, and I honestly, I still want Pete gone. I mean, I love the guy. Uh, I think he's done a lot of great things for us, but I think it... Yeah, he's 71 years old. I think it's time to move on. What, is he going to be our coach for the next 10 years when he's in his 80s? I don't want that. I yeah. mean, not not that like you can't do great things at that age, but I'm the league is getting younger. I mean, you saw the two mm-hmm. head coaches that were in the Super Bowl, Zach Taylor and uh, Sean McVay, and they're both in their 30s. I mean, yeah, granted, that was the, that was the first Super Bowl or – those are the two youngest head coaches to ever play against each other in the Super Bowl. Mm. So, granted, that was a rare circumstance, but, but I don't. I don't a, think we're going to be seeing less of that. There's certainly been a pattern of youth in the NFL, and you know they say it's a young man's game at the playing level, and obviously it is. But I think just because there's so much analytics in the game, is transitioned so much more to be like college football and mm-hmm. just have like high octane offense. Um, I think the old school mentality and a lot of these guys, they still have a place in the league. Sure. But it certainly does seem to be going more towards a youthful coaching situation. Yeah. Well, sorry. Um, if, if you see me looking on my phone, it's me looking stuff up. I'm not like texting or yeah. anything like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, one guy that I think of that comes to mind when you, uh, bring up like analytics and all that stuff. I think we talked about this the other day was the uh, LA Chargers head coach, um, Brandon Staley. I noticed he was kind of like a little bit overboard with the trusting the analytics this past season. Like he went for it a lot on fourth down. Uh, I think against the Chiefs early on in the season, he went for it on fourth down and won the game because of it. Mm. Um, But fast forward to the end of the year when they lost against the Raiders in the final week of the season, I'm I believe that had to do with an analytical mistake. Well, and him calling a timeout at the yeah. end of the game made absolutely no sense. But And that but, was one of the weirder situations we've ever seen where a tie would have actually got both teams into the playoffs. And I wish they had because then we wouldn't have had to watch the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger get <laughs> fucked by the Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs. So, yeah, and thanks, Staley. Yeah, thanks a lot for that because at least if you're... 
at least if you're the Chargers, you have some hope with youth at quarterback. You got Justin Herbert, who's a freak athlete. Yeah. And I mean, the guy, he's just, he get, he gives you a lot more hope as opposed to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we knew what we were going to get with them going into the game against Kansas City. Yeah. And they got, of course, I don't even remember the score of the game, but it, it was not pretty. It was, I, I, it was over before halftime, I want to say. <laughs> I can't even remember the score because I think I watched the first quarter and I was like, this is gross. I, I don't need to watch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, <clears throat> shift gears back to the Seahawks. Um, yeah, the uh, there was discussion throughout all of the offseason last year and through the season this year as it became more and more clear that potentially the big three of Pete Carroll, John Schneider, and Russell Wilson we're not going to all be together again mm-hmm. after this season. And, you know, uh, midway through the season when we were 3-8, and eight, and uh, especially after we lost to the Bears and Nick Foles, um, I was full bore, just blow it up, get rid of everyone, you know? Yeah, and totally. I was of the mindset that, okay, let's get rid of our ancient coach, John Schneider, uh, like the guy, but, I mean, our drafts, since 2012 honestly have not been very good no i would i was comfortable with the idea of moving on from both of those guys but building around russell wilson because you don't find a quarterback like that too often at least historically Mm -hmm. and you know as seahawks fans we've never had anything like russell wilson before Mm -hmm. and you know who it remains to be seen what uh the post russell wilson era is going to be like um, however, you know, when we were kids watching the Seahawks growing up, uh, we had Matt Hasselbeck, who was a good quality, you know, serviceable quarterback, had a couple of Pro Bowls, mm-hmm. um, but was not just a takeover the game generational talent. That is, he, he was almost like a Kirk C- Cousins type of quarterback. I, I, that, like, not not gonna put up any crazy big numbers, but he he's gonna be efficient when mm. he needs to be. Um, you know what's funny about Kirk Cousins is he actually has really really good career stats, but it's like nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody gives a shit about Kirk Cousins' phenomenal completion percentage, touchdown interception uh, ratio, because it's just like something about him it just maybe it's the win loss record uh, that's probably what it is and, you know they say he doesn't show up in big games or or mm-hmm. whatever it is but um i i don't think kirk cousins is bad by any stretch but did he finally win a monday night game yeah, he might have he finally beat us last year in that one of the worst uh, defensive performances i've ever seen out of the seahawks Oh yeah, yeah. That was that game was gross. Yeah, that was that was disgusting. That was really, you know, and just to kind of walk through the 2021 season, you know, it started off so great in that Indianapolis game, and it mm-hmm. was like it was like the season ended in the second half of the Tennessee game, week two. Oh yeah, like, I was at that game. Yeah, it was like Derrick Henry literally broke the 2021 Seahawks. Well, and I remember specifically Derrick Henry scored uh, like a. It was a long run. For, yeah. I don't remember how long the touchdown was for. It was right was after for. that uh, broken coverage where Swain got like an 80-yard touchdown catch or something. Yeah, and I think we were up by like two score. We might have been up by like 13 or something, and mm-hmm. Derrick Henry scored in like 40 seconds. And I was like, well, this is the perfect recipe for us to blow the game. Yeah. Let them score immediately with like a whole quarter left. Yeah, that was the most un-Seahawk, un-Pete Carroll way to lose a game I think I had ever seen. And um, it it really, at that point in the season, uh, only the second week, you just got the feeling that something about this formula we've been trotting out since, you know, 2012, let's mm-hmm. say, with Wilson, it just wasn't clicking anymore. But I will say, to uh, shift back towards the end of the season, um, once we really got Rashad Penny going and got the run game going. Um, defense started to playing slightly better, and Wilson looked more like himself, mm-hmm. um, given more time to heal from his finger getting snapped in half. Yeah. I was actually on board to run it back, you know? Keep Wilson, keep Carroll, keep John Schneider, and just give this thing one more year in. If they don't make the playoffs, then blow it up. 
Yeah, I I agree because what we had one. I mean, uh, we had that. What was it? 2017 when we didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and Blair then, Walsh year. Yeah, and then this season, like this season, I kind of felt like was a little bit. I don't know, not an anomaly, but like it was definitely out of character for us to perform the way we did. I didn't yeah. expect going into the year us to get fourth in the division. I'll put it that way. And it seemed like and a lot of the games we lost, you know, whether you talk about the Titans game or the game against the football team or the Steelers <laughs> or the Saints, these were all very close games that yeah. came down to the last possession. And, you know, for the better part of the last decade, we always found a way to win those games, like at least like you know, 50, 60% of the time. Mm-hmm. But it was like this year, nothing would go our way. That Seahawks magic, so to speak, was just gone. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, in fact, the funny you bring up the football team, I think that was maybe our worst loss of the season because that, when we, when we lost that game, that was kind of like the dagger. Yeah. That was kind of like, oh, we have to have a lot of things fall our way if we want to even think about making the playoffs as a seven seed and at that point too it was like even if by some miracle all those pieces fell in the right spot do you want to watch this team any more than you have to <laughs> that that was the <laughs> point i got to it was like even if we make the seventh seed like do we really want to watch them get the shit kicked out of them by the buccaneers like because that's what it was gonna be more than likely yeah yeah i although part of me did want to see russell wilson tom brady round what like four i guess yeah. it would have been yeah um which I, I don't know if we're gonna get that ever unless the super bowl plays out a certain way next year but that, i would not enjoy that super bowl i i don't want that to happen at all that would be no thank you nightmare hard pass yeah <laughs> but um, um yeah so march 8th i think at that point since it had been a month since the super bowl most Seahawks fans started to think, well, you know, we're hearing all these trade rumors, but we hear them all the time. It seems mm-hmm. like the national media wants to have every one of our good players go to a different team for some reason. Yeah. Um. So I really didn't expect it to happen, especially when you look at the this year's uh, crop of quarterbacks in the draft, which many think is a weak class. I mm-hmm. just I just didn't see it happening. And you know, well, what are they gonna play for Deshaun Watson or something like that? Which I'm glad they didn't do for the Yeah, record. very glad we did not um, grab Deshaun. But for a minute there it looked like maybe that was their plan and it it didn't happen. I don't know if they tried to make it happen. I mean it's hard to trust what you hear out of the rumor mill. But well, um and speaking of uh the rumor mill, I I would love to have been a fly on the wall and uh kind of get the truth out of management and Russell Wilson, because honestly, ever since Russell Wilson has left, he kind of, to me, has seemed like a big phony. And I don't know, maybe it's because he's a, like we were talking about the other day, it, it seems to me like Wilson cares more about like being friends with a bunch of celebrities mm. than he does about playing quarterback and, and being a winner. And I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. Um, I think I think he's fully invested in in winning, and because he's he's obsessed with his legacy, and that's that's kind of what uh, my take on it was. Is this is a guy that you know I'm I'm sure he appreciates the fans, and mm-hmm. I know he you know he's went every Tuesday to the Seattle Children's Hospital. Yeah. Um and. Russell Wilson was a big um, role model for me, honestly. Uh, we drafted him when I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. So um, just seeing his story of a guy that was said to be too short, third-round pick, actually get the starting job and then be historically great. It was really inspirational. Yeah. Um, but I do think, and I was in denial about this over the years, but I do think, I hate to say it, but once he met Sierra, <laughs> I think the... His focus started to change a little bit, and you—I don't blame him. I mean, I, yeah, he's married to Sierra. Yeah, uh, she's beautiful, and you know, has a status in the world. Yeah, with I mean, her, her accomplishments. And none and, of us c- could, you know, say that we wouldn't change if we were yeah, in a yeah. situation like that. So I, I don't blame him, but I do think he really has moved a lot more towards just building his brand. Like you know how right. he signs off everything is three now mm-hmm. which is just like 
I don't know about you. It's it's a little nauseating to me. Well, and uh, we could maybe in uh, post production, we could maybe even add the soundbite of uh, Mr. Unlimited. Mr. Unlimited. Yeah, you got to be unlimited. You know, you got to have a thought process of being unlimited. <laughs> Because of how, uh, just to demonstrate how cringeworthy, uh... You know what we could do throughout this season to be, uh, just, you know, super salty about it? Every week he throws an interception, <laughs> we play that sound, be- that sound bite for the amount of picks he threw. <laughs> yeah, we, I, it might be kind of fun, uh, during the season... We literally play the soundbite of Wilson drops back. Oh, and it's intercept. Like, and then and then we play Mister Unlimited. <laughs> oh, but you know, like I, I still, you know, have a lot of love for the guy. Um, he's he's will forever be an icon in Seattle. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm I mean, hey, he won us the Super Bowl. Really should have won us too. Um, d- did things for this franchise and brought us to places that we had never been. So. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful, but, you know, once I was over the shock of the trade and worked my way through the logic of it and um, also, frankly, looked at what we got back for him and Mm -hmm. how objectively he has performed in the last year and a half, I think we might have fleeced the Broncos. I, uh, well, I love listening to the, uh, Mike Salk podcast. I told you that the other day, yeah, uh, the 710 ESPN and he made like a really good point on there. Um, I think it was when him and Brock Heward were discussing the trade and, uh, he mentioned that Russell Wilson is better at being efficient than he is being productive, mm-hmm. which basically what he means by that is if he has the tools around him to be successful, he is going to be. And, but if you try to make him in charge of the offense and let him, let Russ cook, so to speak, that's just not the, 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 he's not an Aaron Rodgers. He's not a Peyton Manning. And you could also make an argument that that strategy period hasn't always been the most successful strategy for winning. I mean, it's been successful for putting up insane numbers, Mm -hmm. but um, I, I can't remember the last time this has happened, but um, when is the last time the MVP won the Super Bowl? It's it had to. That's a good question. You should probably pull because I know it's at, it's been before the 2005 Super Bowl because that was the year Sean Alexander won it and we did not win the Super Bowl. Yeah, let's see here. Steve McNair on the Titans won it and they didn't win in 03. LT. Yeah, wow. Rich Gannon on the Oakland Raiders. Yep, they they, lo- they lost. It Kurt might Warner. Have been. It was Kurt Warner. Was it though? Oh, it was 99. Yes, Kurt Warner in 1999. Unless I'm missing something here, it has been 23 years since the MVP of the NFL was on the Super Bowl winning team. Wow, and look at that too. You got Terrell Davis winning it the year before, and I believe the Broncos won the Super Bowl that year, correct? Uh, let's take a look real quick. This is why I love Pro Football Reference, the best site for statistic nerds. Oh, yep, one Super Bowl, thirty-four nineteen against Atlanta. There you go. So it happened two years in a row, and now it's been twenty-two years um, without happening. But there's also just, I think there's a lot of evidence of yes, you need a great quarterback, you need great players at every position spot to win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but. This idea that, oh, if you, you know, you put Peyton Manning in 2013 on any team with control of the offense, they're going to win Super Bowl. Well, they didn't even win it in 2013 when he had the best statistical season ever for a quarterback. They didn't just not win. They got embarrassed. Yes. So by us, for the record. Cheers to that. If I still had my water, I don't. Oh, it's over there. But all this to say, you know, I think Russell Wilson is going to get what he wants in Denver. I think they're going to build the offense around him. And I think they're going to throw the ball a whole lot more than we ever were besides the first half of the 2020 season. But you even just take a look at that season and... We were throwing all over the yard, putting up crazy numbers, putting up crazy point totals, and we were winning. But every one of those games was, if you remember, a absolute heart-stopping stress fest down mm-hmm. to the end. Because when you play with that style of off- offense, it just 
creates more drives because you, it's just, you know, we got to score on this drive. We got to score on this drive. And people are throwing the ball over the place. And Ken Norton's defense could not stop a nosebleed that season as well. Are you talking, which season are you talking? 2020. 2020. First, right. Because I think after the Arizona game, or let's just, let's say the Buffalo Bills game, because I feel like that was Ugh. really when the Seahawks shifted offensive philosophies from the let Russ cook um, experiment back to the more um, clock control, ground and pound, be efficient in the passing game. And so your point earlier, Russell Wilson is, in terms of passer rating, the fourth highest rated passer ever behind Mm -hmm. only Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. That's it. Wow, Deshaun Watson's the number one? He's number three. Um, Rodgers is one, isn't he? Mahomes is right now. Oh, okay. Mahomes is just like, if you look at all-time leaders for um, passer rating in most like per-game metrics, Mahomes is already number one, which is why you see some people uh, say they already think Mahomes is a Hall of Famer, and it's kind of absurd because he's been playing for, you know, this will be, what, his sixth season? But um, it's when you actually look at the numbers, it's not that bold of a take. Assuming he, it, you know, if if he falls off a cliff and is like Chad Henney the rest of his career mm-hmm. or something, then yeah, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But like, he's literally number one in passer rating. He's number one in pass yards per game. Um, and plus, just the eye test, like, dude has just made some of the craziest throws I've ever put or I've totally. ever seen. Yeah. Um. But uh, anyways, Russell Wilson has been one of the most efficient and accurate passers the game has ever seen. But I don't think his strength is going up to the line of scrimmage, audibling 20 times and just, you know, dissecting a defense with a bunch of quick intermediate passes like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady do. They honestly, Russell Wilson has a better deep ball than those two have ever had. Mm-hmm. but they are absolute field generals and just completely find the weak spot in the defense and continue to exploit it in a way that we just haven't really seen Russell Wilson do that. You know, he's been for the first half of his career. He was a phenomenal athlete still is, but he had elite speed at the position and escapability as that's waned. It's kind of been more like play action, hit a crazy deep ball to Tyler Lockett that makes no sense that mm-hmm. it's even completed and not a whole lot else <laughs> to be honest. So I think I do think he's going to put up crazy numbers in Denver. Um, but I am just to say skeptical of their odds of actually being an elite team in the NFL this season, because I, I the media keeps talking up their weapons I mean, what they got? Jerry, du- Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, uh, that KJ Hamler guy, I think, and who's the running back? Uh, Javante Williams. Okay, yeah, I mean, certainly not a bad supporting cast, but I, this isn't the same kind of situation as Tom Brady going to Tampa, mm-hmm. where you have Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and um, what's the guy? The younger guy. They just gave him a big contract. Godwin. 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 Yeah. Those are three of the best receivers in the league. Yeah. um, Plus Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was just trying to find the stat. Um, I heard when I was listening to the uh, Salk podcast a couple weeks ago, some guy called in and said Russell Wilson was uh, one of the... Something to do with him uh, being one of the lowest rated successful quarterbacks to throw over the middle. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense to me because, I mean, I did not play football like for years growing up, but I did play quarterback in Pee Wee's one season. And I remember it was hard to see over the line and everyone was like around my, I mean, I was like 15. So obviously this is a different situation, but, um, all the linemen who were like my height, basically it was still tough to see over them. So, and and I'm Wilson's height. And so imagine trying to throw, uh, quick passes over the middle uh, when you have guys that are 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", blocking for you. It's just like, that is why he's a, you know, a play-action rollout, get-it-out-of-the-pocket type of passer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm just, well, how tall is Drew Locke? Like 6'3"? 
I think he's six four. He's a big guy. Yeah. So I'm. I am kind of looking forward to the height factor no longer really being an issue because. I, I mean, Unless even, they draft even Malik e- Willis or something, but how tall is he? Six foot. He's like he's six foot and a half or six one or something. So yeah. still taller. But I mean, to piggyback off what you were just saying, I'm a I'm a bit over six two, and when I played quarterback in high school, I couldn't see shit over the middle. You know, yeah. you you have to throw through passing lanes, even if you're like six foot six. Yeah. Um. But I do think you know every inch of height you lose it's got to be exponentially harder to see what the hell's going on yeah you've got to make up for it in other parts of your game yeah and wilson he did he yeah but he's not he doesn't scramble anymore he wants to be the pocket passer and i just Mm. i don't think that's a strong point in his game it's going to be very interesting to see the denver broncos era russell wilson and how he plays out the rest of his career because he's going to be 34 this season um I, he, I, he claims to want to play into his 40s like a Tom Brady. Yeah. And if he wants to do that, he's going to have to figure something out else about his game because I pulled up uh, the passing chart that you were just describing. And if you look, over the short, over the middle area, Russell Wilson is worse than average or within league average on every one of these passing charts going back to 2016. Wow. Uh, This was just, this is the 2016 season where he just really wasn't playing well. But if you look at all of these down the sideline, 20 yards down the field, Mm -hmm. he is elite. Like the best, which perfectly correlates with, you know, everyone knows Russell Wilson has a good deep ball. Yeah. And he's, it's got the most catchable deep ball I think I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, but um, to go back to the Tom Brady comparison, that's not his strength right now, and it really never has been. That's yeah. not what has made him successful. And he is the like shining example of how to have longevity at the quarterback position in the NFL because he takes what the defense gives him, and he's accurate over the middle. Those are things that Russell Wilson is going to have to figure out how to do um, at 34 plus years old because it has not been a consistent part of his game at any point in his career up mm-hmm. to this point. Yeah. And I mean, look at Tom Brady too. He has the recipe for being a, the most winningest quarterback ever. He has a great defense. He takes a pay cut and mm-hmm. he, I mean, the pay cut is, I think one of the main things of why his longevity has been so impressive is because uh, I mean he wants to win more than he wants to get paid. And yeah. granted, I mean he got paid early on in his career, but and his wife is super rich as well. So. Yeah, his ri- wife is borderline more famous. I I'm pretty sure I've heard that his wife is like more famous to people of Brazil than he is to the United States, which is bizarre. I've heard that think as about well. That. I just I don't really ever look into that stratosphere of models. And that stuff, is that. Well, so. that is a very subjective statement anyway. Yeah. So and it's like, how do you even measure? That, uh, yeah, you, know? you can't. <laughs> but but um, anyways, so what would you say overall Russell Wilson's legacy is in Seattle? I mean, honestly, even though I'm a little salty about him leaving, he's our best. He's the best player to ever put a Seahawks uniform on. I agree. Um, he's not my, I think the most meaningful Seahawk to me personally is Marshawn Lynch. Um, he's, I think he, he's the biggest, what if, what could have been if we had just given him the ball in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Like as much as everyone knows that story and it is, I remember when that game ended, uh, I watched a video uh, the next couple days after, and it was a Pete Carroll press release on what had happened. And he was like saying, Oh, we will not let this, uh, define us and our legacy. Um, and yada, yada, yada. And I was just like, man, I really hope he's right. I really hope we can make it back to the, to the big dance. And we have not. Turns out it's, it's pretty damn hard to get to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And it is, I don't know. It just really bums me out because, uh, hearing that, initially back in 2014 when it or 2015 i guess was when the super bowl happened and uh i guess i just thought you know 
we'll make it back. I trust Russell. I trust mm. the defense. And then the 2015 season was awful. The 2015 season, if you remember, that was the year Cam Newton uh, and the Panthers yeah. went 15 and one, and that was the year where we kept blowing fourth quarter leads yeah for all the talk of the legion of booms greatness and it was great i'm not saying it wasn't Mm -hmm. they were not very clutch there was so many times from 2012 to you know like let's let's call it 2017 Mm -hmm. where we had a lead in the fourth quarter with five minutes left and we ended up losing the game well and i think a lot of that has to do with i mean uh Bobby, obviously part of the Legion of Boom, but mm. our secondary, Cam, uh, Sherman, Earl, like, they were kind of all we had back there. I didn't really think much of the other corner. Uh, Byron Maxwell was all right. But- he had a great second half of the 2013 season. He was, it was actually, so the 2013 Seahawks, bold statement, I think are the best team I've ever seen, period. And I obviously biased Mm -hmm. but Richard Sherman was the number one rated cornerback in terms of opponent passer rating that season Mm -hmm. you know who number two was Byron Maxwell wow so quarterbacks had the shittiest time throwing to our two top corners and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor were pro bowlers that season not to mention we also had guys like Walter Thurman and Jeremy Lane yeah and they they were no scrubs they fifth string corners would be starters on other teams that season and I will never forget when Jeremy Lane broke his arm in the Super Bowl I was like oh shit yeah and then just as impactful as that in my opinion was after Cliff Averill got concussed Mm -hmm. all of a sudden Tom Brady had like an hour to throw yeah, every drop back. That's the story with Tom Brady is like, you know, if you can if you can rattle him, you you have a chance of beating him. And honestly, if you can't, you're probably going to lose. <laughs> One of the um the, and that's why my my second all-time favorite Super Bowl behind our uh 43 to 8 against Denver is bar none the year that Eli Manning beat tom brady in the first time yeah when they were undefeated uh and if you remember the giants defensive line was insane that year ozzy humanure and michael strand right yeah those guys were i want to say they had one other guy they did it's i mean it's been a while but like 15 years but one thing i remember about that game was uh the pass rush on brady like Mm. they were consistent with that and that that is kind of one of the keys is he's not a mobile guy. And if you can bring the heat and put pressure on him, he's not, I mean, that's kind of a, well, no shit thing to say, but (laughs) I mean, we, we struggled uh, for a few seasons now with our pass rush pretty much ever since we didn't resign Jadavion Clowney and Jadavion Clowney was great. I'm glad we didn't resign him, but like we, our defense was they played more of a ball hawk esque. Uh, I mean, remember that Niners game when we beat San Francisco in San Francisco on a? It was a Monday night game, or it might have been a Thursday night game. Which one are we talking about? Uh, the game where Jadavion Clowney had a touchdown. Uh, I think he had an oh, interception. So that was the 2019 season. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you, the honestly, the Seahawks defense has not been great since 2016. Mm-hmm. It was good in 2017, solid in 2018. Pretty mediocre to bad in 2019, but at mm-hmm. least they, they generated turnovers. Yeah, that I guess that's what I meant more so is like uh, it was nice seeing guys like Clowney because he did that a couple times, yeah. didn't he? he yeah, had two touchdowns that season. Yeah, which so was crazy. But the last two years, and this is why I really think we just need to go and maybe now is the time to start to transition to what the Seahawks should do at number nine mm-hmm. this year. Um, following the Russell Wilson trade that has totally changed the landscape of this franchise. Um, I think personally, if Thibodeau falls to them or Thibodeau, however you say it, the guy from Oregon. Yeah. If he falls to them, I think that is a must draft player there because Mm -hmm. our defense has been absolutely toothless the last two seasons. It's like they don't give up 80 yard touchdown passes, but they give up seven yard completions Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. To go back to the Buffalo Bills game in 2020, I don't know if you remember this, the Bills ran the ball like three times that yeah. game. They were just like, the Seahawks are good at stopping the run. Let's just fucking throw it then. And it worked to spectacularly. Mm-hmm. Um, to the tune of one of the most 
abysmal defensive performances I've ever seen. And I feel like I've had to say that twice on this podcast. <laughs> um, all of which to say, you know, thanks for the memories, Ken Norton. Um, you were a great linebackers coach. <laughs> but yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're going in a different direction as, at the defensive coordinator spot. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. And kind of, I totally agree with you. I think at the number nine spot, I'm going to be, honestly, I'm going to be pretty upset if we take a quarterback at number nine, because there's just there that I, we have so many other positions to fill and yeah. not having like one, like I said, once we'd lost Clowney, we kind of really didn't have any, any playmate. I mean, I love Puna Ford. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, and you know, Dunlap, for a few games here and there was amazing. As but a he would dis- he would disappear. Yeah, and it's like that. I it made it opened my eyes at how important the D line is because we haven't had good we haven't had good D line since our Super Bowl season. Really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Frank Clark was Frank Clark was good, good but, years, but but like he wasn't worth the money that he that the Chiefs are paying. No, him. and he's he's been pretty mediocre since he got that bag too. Yeah, yeah. So I. I would really like it mostly if we drafted a D lineman at number nine and or an offensive lineman. If they're if yes, uh, because um, because we have two offensive tackles on the roster, period right now, <laughs> a sixth round pick and an undrafted free agent. Are you talking about Stone Forsyth and Jake Curran? Yeah. Yeah. Which both I think they're both promising prospects. Jake Curran is a hell of a run blocker. Uh-huh. He his. Uh, Sliding into the starting role at the end of the last season directly coincided with Rashad Penny's uh, breakout performances, but he's a terrible pass blocker. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he can develop that. I mean, he's an undrafted rookie free agent last season, so he will get better Yeah, in theory. But regardless, we at least need depth, even if we are planning on using 22 uh, as an opportunity to see what they have in those guys as starters. Mm-hmm. Um you can't go into September with two offensive tackles on your roster. You just can't. Yeah. So they have to. They may resign Dwayne Brown. They may resign. Uh, what was the other guy on the right side? I can't remember his name. It was. Dude, you would know better than me. <laughs> I, I, the, yeah, our line I, is has kind of been just players coming and going that yeah. aren't Dwayne Brown. At least we don't me. have any more defensive <laughs> tackles that we switched playing on the offensive line anymore that was so annoying we were like obsessed with doing that for like four straight seasons well do you remember a couple years ago they drafted that uh tight end steven sullivan and the only playing time he ever got was on the defensive line (laughs) well (laughs) that also reminds me remember george fant yeah i saw a couple mock drafts which maybe we this can transition us to the dk metcalf uh extravaganza or or fiasco that he's been put through lately um there was a mock draft where we trade dk and uh a pick or something like a lower like a third round pick or something and we receive the 10th pick which we was our pick yeah and george fant who was also (laughs) ours who so, made this? Uh, uh, some idiot on Instagram. I don't know. I saw that and was like, the, if we ever do that, like, if that put a happened, fork in us because we are idiots. Honestly, I would have to just not watch Seattle Seahawks football until everyone involved with that decision is gone because <laughs> that would be horrendous. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about DK Metcalf because I honestly think right now. He is the only one on our team you can look at and say, that guy is the face of the franchise. DK Metcalf is the reason why you turn on the TV on Sundays if you're a Seattle sports fan. I We've always, in the Pete Carroll era, we have always had at least one dude on our roster that's been scary. Yeah. And he, who else besides him is going to, Drew Locke? No (laughs) one's afraid of him, I'm sorry. Maybe they're not afraid yet. <laughs> let's let's see that's what true, they got. That's true. That's true. Uh, uh, uh. In Mr. Locke there, and actually uh, to, to talk about Drew Locke again for a second, because um, I meant to bring this up earlier, is I think the Drew Locke acquisition starts to feel a lot better if you start to think of it as he's our rookie quarterback mm-hmm. because he is only twenty four, twenty five years old, mm-hmm. and. If he was in this quarterback class in the draft, he might be the number one prospect mm-hmm. because 
he put up a lot better numbers than some of these guys. He had like what forty something touchdowns at Missouri. Yeah, something crazy like yeah. that. And he ran a four six nine forty. That's wow. pretty. That's pretty quick, especially that's for faster. a big guy like that. Yeah, that's faster than most of the prospects got this year. And he mm-hmm. does have a hell of an arm. He's got a good arm. Yeah, it's just the brain I think that needs to be worked on. But um, to Pete Carroll and John Schneider's credit, um, we have. Always had pretty good quarterback development at the Seahawks. Even mm-hmm. Tavares Jackson, he put up okay numbers, but he did a lot better with us than he did in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Geno Smith last year, I mean, there's a lot you could say about the way he played, and a lot of it was not great, but he played efficiently and he didn't really commit turnovers. So that is one thing. I don't know how they do it, but they have proven, and I guess. With this, it's it's more of a Pete Carroll thing. Um, he has proven he can do two things. He can take turnovers out of a quarterback's game, and the guy can coach up, it seems like, a guy working at FedEx to play cornerback, <laughs> and he'll get, like, a pass deflect or something. Yeah. Unless they're named Trey Flowers. <laughs> okay. Poor Trey Flowers. Wasn't yeah. Trey Flowers on the a playoff team that... He was on the Bengals. Yeah, that's what, he I, thought. That's what I thought. And, you know, like, I honestly, I feel really sorry for Trey Flowers. I feel like Seattle fans were a little too nasty to the guy on mm. the internet. So, yeah. Trey, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, yeah we're, sorry. we're not Eagles fans, Trey. Come on. We, we should have done you better than that. Yeah, and, uh, I agree. And, you know, I, I, to talk about Rashad Penny again, I, I think uh, in one of his... <laughs> Rashad Penny is the reason why Jonah didn't win his fantasy. Yeah, thanks, pal. You could have been good <laughs> your first four years in the league, but you decided my championship game to turn into <laughs> fucking Hall of Fame-esque running back. <laughs> well, I really hope that he can continue that performance that he had last season because if we... The one reason for optimism, I think, um, for the 2022 Seahawks is they have a ton of draft capital. Mm-hmm. So if big if, but if they can hit on, you know, four of the eight picks that they have and sh- get a better pass rush on defense mm-hmm. and could just continue the run game that they had last year. If Drew Locke is just asked to throw 20 passes a game and half of them are play action, I think he could be a successful game manager. You know, I he's got the physical makeup to be something greater than that, but from I have watched way more Drew Locke highlights than I ever would have thought I would this mm-hmm. time two months ago. Yeah. Um and uh it he does have really good physical abilities, um, but he just makes some plays sometimes where it's like, what the hell was that? Like <laughs> like what are you doing, man? So I mean Optimistically, I feel like that's a coachable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, with number nine and with a to circle back with the DK Metcalf thing, I totally agree with you. I don't think we should take a quarterback this year. Although if they did take Malik Willis, I don't think it'd be smart. But I'd be excited. Yeah, the guy's just—he's electric. Well, I think it's kind of ironic for me personally as a Seahawks fan how all the quarterbacks that we've been in discussion of potentially getting aside from drafting a rookie. Mm -hmm. Um, we, well, we have drew lock and I did not like the guy before he was a Seahawk and he's growing on me, but the other two rumors, uh, one being Baker Mayfield that, uh, might come to Seattle. Can't stand the guy. And then the other rumor that I heard was Daniel Jones and he might be the worst option. Yeah. I, I mean, we already have a, uh, 2019, draft pick that struggled in drew lock why take the one that's been worse than drew lock exactly and and i think these are all hearsay rumor yeah you know whatever sports writers are bored and we're we're one of them now i i do think um it's like what what do you think about the potential of uh bringing baker on do you like the idea do you not like the idea the one thing that would make me like it because the browns are complete dumbasses and gave a guy that might not legally be able to play next season, $230 million guaranteed. They got to offload Baker's contract. Mm -hmm. They have to do it. And so there's a possibility that Baker Mayfield could turn into a um, Brock Osweiler situation where the Browns trade him 
and a draft pick to a team just to take on Baker's contract. Mm. It, I mean, it remains to be seen whether they'd even be willing to do that. But honestly, I don't want to give up any of our capital, especially a draft pick fourth or higher for Baker Mayfield, because we have so many other positions that we need to fill and this is a deep draft class. There's a lot of corners. There's a guy, uh, I can't remember his name, but he's a six foot four cornerback, 205 pounds. I'll look mm-hmm. him up later. Uh, he ran a 4.26 40 yard dash. It's not Sauce Gardner, is it? No, it's not Sauce Gardner. Um, uh, I, I can't remember his name. But, um, anyways, he might be available in like the third round. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's just, there's a ton of interesting prospects because a lot of these kids. Um, sat out one of their college seasons because of COVID. Yeah. So they would have been in last year's draft, but now they're in this year's draft. You know, there was a record-breaking amount of wide receivers in this draft that ran a 4-3. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton of talent in this draft, and I don't want to waste any of that potential to grab a guy who has been at times good, but never great. Yeah, I agree with that. And I do think, though, I do feel a little bit for Baker because I do think the Browns did him dirty. Oh, um, I agree 100%. He, brought, he won them a playoff game against a, a team in the Pittsburgh Steelers that have dominated them for two decades now. Yeah. Maybe even longer. Uh, just just since I've been watching football in 2003, 2004, whatever, whatever year it was that I first started. But, I mean, yeah, the, the Steelers have always had their number and they kicked the shit out of them in the playoffs and almost beat the chiefs the next week yeah you know? and so and you know B- baker whether you like him or don't he brought some personality and some relevance to that franchise that what was not there i mean totally uh, how many quarterbacks have they started since like 2005 like Ba- 600 baker did have a cockiness to him but he also had that that swagger to yeah. him that they needed and he broke the rookie uh passing touchdown record his his rookie year oh really yeah he broke he, russell wilson and yeah Peyton's. he threw for uh 28 Damn. justin herbert yeah. shattered it uh in 2020 he mm-hmm. threw like 33 or something he yeah. threw 30 something touchdowns as a rookie mm-hmm. never even come close to happening before um but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think Baker obviously he was the number one pick. He's he's got a lot of talent, mm-hmm. um, but I honestly don't think he would be a massive upgrade over Drew Locke. I, just I don't, don't think so either. And and I I think with Drew Locke you actually have more to um no pun intended unlock out of the guy's potential mm-hmm. because. You know, he's gone through three offensive coordinators in three years as a early 20s guy. Um, And not only that, but the the Broncos have just been kind of a mess on the offensive side with their pretty much ever since Peyton retired. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's been that's another franchise has been a revolving door quarterback. And funny enough about the Broncos is they've never drafted a quarterback that's won a playoff game besides Tim Tebow. <laughs> every that is good, funny. Every good quarterback they've had, they've traded for. You yeah. Know, John Elway was not picked by them. Who did who drafted him? Uh, what was it? Baltimore? Hold on a second. Because I know John Elway was towards the end of his career when he won them the two Super Bowls. Right. So, yeah, he was drafted by the Baltimore Colts and... A lot of people don't like John... Well, didn't like John Elway because they thought he was kind of a snot nose little like spoiled like and when they play for the Colts. Yeah. Um and just yeah, just look at that face. <laughs> He's got a very hateable face. No hate to John Elway. But uh No, yeah. I agree. He's got a hateable face. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Elway actually, I mean, I think the Broncos went to two or three Super Bowls with him mm-hmm. and just got the shit kicked out of them. The Broncos have lost like seven Super Bowls, I want to say. They've and they've gotten blown out like in yeah. every one. But I mean uh, it's they've been to like what 10 Super Bowls, nine Super Bowls, mm-hmm. so they've been a very successful franchise. Just yeah, they've had a lot of blowout losses, yeah, including the Seahawks only win. Um, all this to say, uh, Baker, I, I'm not about it, yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't be agree. like the only thing that would actually make me angry if we got him is if we gave up like a second round pick or something, like if, if that happened, even a third, I yeah. would be upset. Yeah, because there's there's so many uh, potential studs in this draft that at positions of need, like 
We need a linebacker. We need we you know what? I'll go out and say I think we need every position on this team besides safety. I think you could make a case safety and tight end. Mm -hmm. Besides those two positions, because, you know, I like uh, our receivers. Tyler Lockett is a stud. I'm curious to see if he continues to do as exceptionally great as he's been without Russell Wilson. Wilson, I think he will. He's a good route runner. You he, know? Yes, yes. But there's, there's so many times where it's like Wilson just throws such a perfect arc right over the defender into Tyler Lockett's seven-inch hands. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I, I don't know if that's going to be able to be continued, but um, I don't think they should trade DK Metcalf even for the number one overall pick. Like, wow, not worth it. Because what? You're, you're trading a cornerstone player for what should be a cornerstone player at the number one pick, right? But then yeah. this, is, this is just my opinion of it. Even that decision, that move, it's player for player. You're trading what you know you have in DK Metcalf, who, by the way, I think hasn't even come close to reaching his potential yet, for a mystery box. That's what the draft is. Yeah. You know? Well, oh, sorry, continue. And uh, on top of that, he's someone that wants to be here. You know, and one thing that honestly, like 2019, if there might have been a rumbling of a Wilson trade rumor, I was like, oh, there's no way he wants to leave the Seahawks. It became very clear, especially after he was traded, that he didn't really want to be here. I mean, yeah. Don't you remember last offseason when his uh, agent gave a list of teams Wilson would go to? It's like, and he never one thing that really bothered me about it is like he would say he wouldn't say oh, I don't want to be traded. I want to be in Seattle. He would say, well, I'm in Seattle right now. You know, my goal is to continue to play in Seattle. A very political, he's a, I think Wilson may be a great politician someday because he, his press conferences are like watching the White House press briefing sometimes. He, he chooses his words carefully like Aaron Rodgers, you know, like maybe Aaron Rodgers is maybe not as um, likable. I, I, well, not likable, but it's easier to be tricked by Russell Wilson, I think, yeah. with, the, with the way he speaks. Yes, and um, DK Metcalf. I don't know if you saw this last week, but there was a uh, like NFL rumors or said something that like uh, teams have been inquiring into trading for DK Metcalf, and then DK Metcalf retweeted it and said, "Haven't heard anything per at DK Metcalf," <laughs> which like that was just like fuck yeah, like he actually wants to be here. Yeah, and, I saw I saw that post too. Yeah, and yeah. I, like, why would you? I mean, the guy is twenty four years old. Like, yeah. you don't trade. That's like you know trading like Randy Moss with the Minnesota Vikings when he's like twenty four. Like, why would you do that? No, I'm I'm not saying DK Metcalf is as good as Randy Moss, but I'm saying he's you know a franchise type player, and you just don't do that. I don't care if you have to pay him twenty five million dollars. You don't have a quarterback. You have to pay. So don't tell me you don't have the money for it. Yeah, well, it doesn't worry you at all how the market value for wide receivers is just. I mean, look at all the receivers that are getting paid around. Right, the but what are we just not going to have good wide receivers because of that? Yeah, it's like I mean, you have to pay quarterbacks way too much. You have to pay pass rushers way too much. Mm-hmm. It looks like receivers are now like of those three positions where like, you know, a couple of years ago, $20 million a year, that was just quarterback money. Mm-hmm. Now we have a safety that we're paying that much. And there's a lot, there's a lot to be said about that. But um, it's just, it's just the nature of the game. You know, if, if you want franchise players, you got to open up the pocketbook. And I think the NFL salary cap is going to increase greatly next season, just based on some rumblings I've been hearing about maybe them uh, having some sort of merger with Amazon. Oh, um, for uh, like streaming of games. Yeah, that fucker really wants a uh, football team, doesn't he? Well, honestly, because uh, <laughs> he tried to he tried to buy the Seahawks, didn't he? Or he I think he might he... be the next owner of the Seahawks, Jeff Bezos, Ugh. which I I hate Jeff Bezos. But as long as he doesn't move the team, I would I'd honestly be all for it just because he's got a ton of money and would be invested. Um, but Jody Allen, I'm pretty sure is going to sell a team in a couple years. So that's, that's something down the road. The Seahawks have to think about 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, I think DK Metcalf is a once in a lifetime kind of talent to just get at the bottom of the second round. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a once in a lifetime talent genetics. I mean, the guy eats four bags of candy every day and <laughs> has one meal and has a coffee and then he looks the way he does. According to him, I'm, be a, I'm a candy type person. Oh, um, what? I eat one meal a day, drink one coffee, and eat like three, four bags of candy. Okay, let's hear this. Let's hear so, this. all right, I'm just taking you through yesterday. So, yesterday I woke up, worked out, worked out again, came home, showered. I'm hungry. Run to Starbucks, get a quick coffee. That's gonna hold me to like four, five o'clock. This 12. Okay. So it's gonna hold me for like four hours. Dang. Around 4 30. I ordered some candy and a water. So I got, what did I get yesterday? I got the Skittles gummies. Then I got uh, the Lifesaver Creations. They the same size bag, so I just mix them. So it's safe to say we're going to see a DK gummy at some point, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. for sure. Okay, y'all heard it. Um, Another certified, certified moment. Certified right? moment. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> get the gummy, get the candy, get the water, eat that. That's going to hold me to like... 8 o'clock where I'm having dinner, 8, 9. And then I eat dinner, go to sleep. Now, so on a scale of 9 to 10, how did that hit your bullshit meter? Because um, I got to say, there's no fucking way, DK. There's no. A, there's uh, no, I mean, he looks like a Greek god that did steroids. Like, it, there's... not. I don't even think he looks like he did steroids because he's so thin. He's such yeah. a thin, but like, I mean, he's not thin, he's... 200 something pounds well, he's, but he's like what like 230 yeah but he's like it's he's so cut. yeah he's so cut that i'm like dude how do you live off of lifesaver gummies like <laughs> how is that getting you your half cut shirt six pack abs showing stomach that we see when you're yeah. practicing on the sideline i like, eat a donut at work and i'm like oh fuck I have like two loser. beers and i'm i look so bloated and feel <laughs> terrible and i'm just like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I if I will say if it is true, that's just further proof that NFL players are not normal people. <laughs> no, they're lucky as hell with their genetics. Yeah. And his dad was a NFL player too, wasn't he a lineman? Yeah, he was an offensive tackle on the Bears and yeah. fun fact, when the Seahawks played the Bears in 2006 in the divisional round, he was starting for them. Wow, I did not know that. So you watched DK Metcalf's dad play football and you just didn't know it. Yeah, and he beat us. So. Yeah, we didn't deserve to go do anything that year. Anyway, yeah, the but. the '06 Seahawks. I mean, for a team that was a overtime loss away from hosting the NFC Championship, mm -hmm. they were bad, <laughs> dude. Yeah, all those years we went nine and seven. I was just like, ugh. They made the playoffs, <laughs> but could we just? lose so i can move on with my life yeah that was back in the day where the <laughs> nfc west was kind of just like a a joke a complete joke and it's funny like ever since the 2010 year where we were the least sucky team that made it in at seven and nine mm -hmm. the division's just been an absolute like horror show to try to win with these defenses and i will say like the biggest turning point for the nfc west i think was when the rams drafted aaron donald because, oh my God, I think if Aaron Donald went to a team in the AFC, the Seahawks might have another Super Bowl. I know that's maybe hyperbole, but no one player has made the Seahawks lose more than Aaron Donald. Yeah. And, and he it broke really, Wilson's finger last year. Well, and it really seems like um, we have no answer for, I mean, all these years of losing to the Rams and just pretty much getting smacked in the mouth by them every time we play them. Like yeah. what my going back to our discussion of Wilson or Pete and who should we have gone with? I wanted Pete gone after we lost to the Rams in the playoffs. We lost to yeah. who was that guy that came in for Wolford? Yeah. And John then, Wolford or whatever his name yeah, was. Yeah, then Jamal Adams hit the shit out of him, gave him a concussion and we had no thumb Jared Goff come in and throw ducks for like 300 yards somehow against yeah. us. It yeah. was that I, that was the day, you know, like this it was almost like this whole last season was just like a or a referendum on that playoff game. Yeah, cuz I remember after that game I was like Pete Carroll did not have our guys ready. He didn't it almost seemed like he didn't even game plan. When what was crazy is the Seahawks beat the Rams solidly like two weeks before that. Mm -hmm. It was just like the Rams came in and wanted it way more. 
And also, to go back to um, Wilson, he kind of just started looking lost out there, like, mm-hmm. second half of 2020. It was weird. Like, I, when the camera would uh, pan to his face, he just had a different look on his face. I know that's, like, super, you know, subjective and, like, anecdotal, but as someone that has watched every Seahawks game for 15 years and every game Wilson ever played... There was always a look in his eye when it was almost like Jordan-esque, like against the Bears his rookie year, like where he just he just refused to lose. Well, essentially, you know that. Remember that uh, picture I have of Wilson when he's standing, like we used yeah, to have the it. Panthers. Home? Yeah, his eyes look so calm and collected and focused. Like when he was a rookie, second year, third year player, he was so dialed in. Yeah. Like, week in week out and yeah kind of how you were saying how he looked a little bit like unsure of himself at times it it was a little concerning i mean maybe that wasn't going on maybe he just looked that way but there was games when he didn't play well he didn't really play good in that rams game no he played terrible and and everyone like going back to dk when he got pissed off on the sideline and was like you know having a little bit of a temper tantrum I liked that. I yeah. It kind of fired me up because I was like, yeah, what are we doing? We seem like we don't even want to win this game. And DK was the one getting pissed off being like, what are we doing? Get me the ball. I like, I want to win us this game. And mm-hmm. granted the very next play, Wilson throws a pick six uh, on I'm the sure screen, on the screen play to DK. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I really like DK. Um, I hope we do. I hope we do hold on to him, even though it does make sense to trade him. I don't want to trade him for the tenth pick that we gave the Jets. Like we're getting rid of DK to get our own pick back. I'm sorry, that's just insulting. Yeah. Plus, I don't want the New York Jets to have anything more from us. They already have been talking shit about the Jamal Adams trade for two years. I, I don't want to help that franchise out anymore. Yeah, and it's funny. We've had a lot of trades with them in the past. Like, remember we traded Percy Harvin to the Jets? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was... Yeah, there's a few teams. Like, have you noticed the Jaguars are like a Seahawks, like, C team? Like, so <laughs> many of our coaches and players just end up in Jacksonville. Yeah. And then do bad. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, Gus Bradley. He was a he was a really good coordinator yeah. for us, and then he went down there. Schonheimer and Bevel were on their uh, coaching staff last year, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, uh, I think Schonheimer and Bevel, both of those guys, have bared the brunt of uh, some of Russell Wilson's deficiencies. Now that I've like had time to look at it from a bird's eye view, mm-hmm. the I think over the years they've probably been like trying to draw up plays to you know be more efficient on third down, and it, it's just it's it's like Russell Wilson's very boomer bust. Yeah. Yeah, so I agree I, with that. I'm looking forward to, you know, obviously not having the specialized elite talents anymore, but just having maybe some more consistency on third down and the ability to utilize the short middle area of the field a lot more just to get some efficiency instead of boomer bust. And honestly, like for me personally, I would rather watch a football team in the Seahawks that is defensive focused and make stops rather than I mean yeah it's fun watching a team score touchdowns going but it's not fun seeing a, I mean well I shouldn't say that it's fun watching shootouts but yeah I would rather that remember all those games against the Niners in the like early 2010 era when we it was like two powerhouse defenses like it yeah. was a slugfest I like watching football games like that and I don't know it's just like so frustrating when the th- the third downs we give up game yeah. in and game out and like nothing was changing they weren't making corrections yeah and which is why you know just taken all together i am ready to see something different than what we've been trotting out for the past five years or so and going back i i just don't know if pete and john are the two that should be leading that wagon yeah, and you know, I I almost wonder if they even face the potential of having any accountability because Jody Allen seems like a pretty laissez-faire owner. 
Mm-hmm. And she's the only one that would be able to fire them. So not not that I even necessarily want them to be fired, but like if the 2022 Seahawks suck ass, which they <laughs> likely will, to be honest. Yeah. Is there any possibility that those guys are moved on from at the end of the season? Or do they already have like, OK, so we traded Russell Wilson. We need a few years to rebuild. Do they have that kind of agreement? I hope not. I really hope not because they've been here for 10 years. We don't need to, to 10 plus years. We don't need to. I feel like what we see is what we get with that. Like we know them and yeah. like what Pete and John have done. And John has just straight whiffed on draft picks ever pretty much ever since Lockett. Lockett was our last good solid pick i mean jordan brooks is good yeah and but don't forget about metcalf and daryl well, taylor metcalf, is very promising as well i don't really th- i mean i personally think i'm not gonna credit pete and john for drafting metcalf the dude was don't you remember all those memes yeah i couldn't before believe he was even a, i thought he was gonna get drafted in the first round like yeah. top 10 so like the fact that they took him in the second round yeah he had knee injuries coming out of college and yeah he had that injury in the preseason which scared me a little bit but like i don't know i'm not gonna credit them for being masterminds for drafting a guy that had his shirtless picture on the internet that looked like a freak of nature yeah it and, didn't even look real <laughs> yeah yeah uh, we're, we're, of course, we're referring to the AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, uh, weight room picture. It was either a pre-draft visit or it was after they drafted him when, uh, Pete Carroll came in the room and took his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, Pete Carroll got his fourth down decisions and his conservatism in play calling just frustrates the hell out of me, but I still love the guy. Yeah. I think he's hilarious. He's, he's, you know, another icon of Seattle sports mm-hmm. and. Um, as a human being, I, th- I think he's phenomenal. Um, but I do think, regardless of how these next few years play out, he's, I mean, what, two, three more years at the most? Mm-hmm. He's going to be in his mid-70s. I kind of see Sean Desai, the defensive assistant we hired, as potentially being the heir apparent to Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. You've um, said that before, yeah. We'll We'll see what happens with that. But anyway, we're we're over an hour here, so might be time to wrap this up. Yeah, that was really fun. That went by really quick. Yeah, lot to say and a lot more to say. So check yeah. in a few weeks for the next JR Sportscast. JR Hot Takes, JR Sportscast. You know, uh, the, the JR, of course, is for Jonah and Ryan. It's not like Junior or anything like that. Uh, yeah. If we didn't clarify that already. But uh yeah, no, this was fun. Uh we have a lot of we have a lot of good uh topics to discuss in the next upcoming weeks. Do we want are we doing it bi weekly? Are we doing it weekly? Would I mean we could do this every Sunday, honestly. Well we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm looking at doing uh maybe some mock drafts next week because oh, yeah. we're getting we're getting pretty close to draft season. Yeah. I now uh do we want to do a, a NFL mock draft or do we want to do a Seahawks mock draft? What you think? I think it could be fun just to do an NFL mock draft. Yeah, maybe that was first that, round. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I'd like that. Well, anyways, thank you so much for listening. If you're still on this, and uh, we have been Jr. Takes Sportscast. I'm Ryan Rogers, and I'm Jonah Hoffman. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.